Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. We proudly present to you our Easter Service 2021, featuring Michael Davis. Well, I don't know if any of you remember or not, but um, things were a little different last year. Uh, I don't know if you were aware or not. We, 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 we went through a pandemic. Uh, I guess we're still kind of technically in it. I'm not really sure anymore. Uh, but, you know, last year, things were very, very different, especially for me. Because if you remember, in March of 2020, actually March 25th to be exact, I mean, it was the Sunday before Easter Sunday, we announced that we were going to only go online. And at the time... We didn't even really have an online ministry. I mean, if you're really familiar with Anchored Hope Church or if you're watching today, none of this was up here, like at all. It was very, very sketchy, okay? It looked like a hostage negotiation video is what it looked like. And I remember it was so weird Easter Sunday being here like by myself. It was me and four other people just in this room. And I remember my son, Braden was sitting over here for moral support with his iPad, just backlighting his face the entire time. And a couple times he got up to go to the bathroom, somewhere in the building, not really sure where. And, you know, and then you, I mean, look at all of you today. You all look beautiful, amazing. Nick is front row in a suit today, which is just incredible. You know the Catholics are meeting across the street, right? Okay, anyway. But, you know, you all look beautiful today, but I mean, a year ago, I mean, a year ago, if you were watching, I mean, many of you didn't even put pants on. I mean, you, you were watching in your bed is where you roll up a good Easter Sunday, let's see what's going on with this hostage negotiation video, and you watched, you know, but not, none of us planned that it would be that way, right? I mean, it was crazy, but none of us planned that it would be that way, right? I mean, in, in January of 2020, even before this started... I mean, you, we all made, you know, expectations. We all set goals. We all said, you know, what we were going to do. We made all of these grand plans for what 2020 was going to look like, you know. I mean, some of you, you plan to go places. You know, you, you plan to, to visit someone or to go on vacation. Uh, for me, it, we, so we saved up. We didn't go on vacation for two years. And we saved up enough money to go to Disneyland. And so in July of 2020, we were supposed to go to Disneyland. That did not happen. And the kids were sad. Kate was relieved. I was devastated. <laughs> the kids were like, oh, man. I was like, it's not fair. Disneyland. And, you know, that's, that was my life. Anyway, so, you know, but we plan to go places. Many of us, we plan to do things. You know, some of you guys, you set goals for the year or things that you want to do. Maybe knock something off the bucket list. Can I tell you, this is, we're going to get real personal here, okay? Can I tell you what I had planned to do? There's something I've always wanted to do. I had actually lined up. It was planned. It was scheduled. It was ready to go. I was going to take singing lessons. Yes! Yeah, see, some of you, you're already picturing it. You're like, oh, that makes so much sense, right? Because my mom sings. Like, my mom has, like, even done it, like, a, a duet album, gospel album with somebody before. And I used to sing as a kid, and I just love worship music and singing. And so, you know, I had it all planned out. I was going to take singing lessons. And Christy Fuentes, we, we shared this secretly with one another. Yeah, girl. And we were like, you know what I've always wanted to do? I've always wanted to sing. It's like, me too. So we actually, like, we were like buddies. We're like, in 2020, we're both going to do this. It didn't happen for either of us. It's terrible. 
It's very, very sad, right? My daughter, my daughter had planned to play soccer for the first time, and soccer got canceled. So we had to find something, so we found jujitsu. Yeah, we went from kicking balls to breaking arms, and now she wants to be a cage fighter. She's lost all four of her front teeth. I mean, she looks like a crazy person, you know? And so, I mean, but we all plan to do things, right? I mean, we even, we plan to just grow as people, right? I mean, some of you are determined. You're like, you know what? This is my year. I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to be on time, and I'm going to have a great day, and I'm going to start listening to all these podcasts, and I'm going to become a leader, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to invest in my marriage. I'm going to invest in my kids. I'm just, oh, this is going to be my year. And then... 2020 gave us a little bit of a surprise, right? And then here came the pandemic, and here came the lockdowns, and the shutdowns, and the quarantines, and everything else. And even then, though, I mean, even then, most of us were optimistic, right? Most of us, it was a change that came a little earlier than expected, but we're like, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. You know what? This is still going to be a great year. I'm still going to use this. It's still going to be phenomenal. You know what? I'm going to rock this thing. This is going to be so good. We're going to save so much money now that we can't eat out anywhere. So we're going to save so much money, and it's going to be great, and we're all going to be together as a family. Oh, we're going to be so close when we get done with this. Like, we are just, we're going to be best friends. And then our kids couldn't go to school, and we're like, that's I'm going to rock this homeschool thing. I mean, I'm going to be the best teacher my kid has ever had. I'm going to rock this thing. And you know what? The gyms may be closed, but I'm still going to work out. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to work out in my basement. I'm going to go for walks. I'm going to do the whole thing. And then a week later, you're like, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. You're like, forget this. I can't even log into this Zoom meeting anymore. What's the point of getting dressed anymore? I can't drive to work. What's the point? And you didn't save money. You bought everything on Amazon. You were just every night. You're like, Amazon says, well, Alexa, order some more dry cleaning. You know, give me some more of that. Give me an electronic. I don't even need it, but here we go. I mean, you spent tons of money. Lowe's became like a rehab center for like mentally health people, right? Everybody went to Lowe's. It's like, hey, where do you think you're going? I'm going to Lowe's. It's the only place open, right? You bought so many things for your house you didn't even need, and none of you worked out. You're like, forget this. I'm going to watch Tiger King. I mean, I'm done. I'm not working out at all. I don't need it. Everybody, you know, you're showing your COVID-15 this morning is what you got going on. But we all had planned to still make it a good year. But can we be honest? I mean, if we were all really honest, if we took this past year, I mean, we all, we all fell short in some way this past year, didn't we? We all fell short in some way. We all said we were going to do things. We all said we were going to grow. We all said that we were going to handle this well and that we were so optimistic, but then a lot of that didn't come, come true. And the truth is, is if we were honest, is, you know, we did not, we did not meet expectations. We didn't meet our expectations we didn't meet other people's expectations, and if we were really, really honest, we could admit that we didn't really meet God's expectations, did we? Because in the midst of this, and as we dealt with it, many of us turned to other things in order for peace or for hope. I mean, can we, can we be honest? I mean, some of us this last year with an election year and the pandemic and just being kind of isolated, many of us, we got angry, didn't we? We got angry and we 
we lashed out or we, we went to social media and we, we saw what was going on in, in regards to, to race and the economy and the presidential race. And many of us, we got, we got very, very angry and it showed. Many of us got anxious. We got worried. We, we found a whole new level of anxiousness that we've never even had before. And we got very, very anxious and concerned because we didn't know what was going to happen. And we didn't know if, if we had COVID or not. Every time you sneezed, every time you coughed, you're like, oh, that's it. I got the COVID, right? I mean, we, we went through that. We lived through that. We're still living through it. And can we be honest, too, that, that, that many of us even turn to things for comfort like, like pornography or alcohol or a relationship elsewhere where we turn to those things in order to, to feel better? And here's the question that I, I kind of want to answer today, because we have all experienced this, is, is what do you do when plans don't go as planned? Because that's really what happened to, to us in, in, in many ways this last year. We had plans. And things didn't go as planned. So, so what do you do when your plans don't go as planned? What do you do when you plan to take two steps forward, but you end up taking two steps back? What do you do when there are expectations for, to, for, to be met, whether you made them or somebody else made them or God met them, made them, and you don't live up to those expectations? What do you do then? Well, luckily for us, the answer is actually found in the Easter story that we are celebrating today. And so if you don't know the story, I'm going to catch you up a little bit. You know, about 29 A.D., between 27 and 29 A.D., Jesus' ministry began. And he was about the, roughly the age of, of 30 to 33. He was roughly my age. And he came on the scene. And, and, and remember, if you, if you read your Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And, and between that time, between the Old and the New the disciple or the, the the Jews, they had gone from being top dogs. They had they had a king, they had a king, they had a kingdom, they had emperors and rulers, that God was on their side, and then they betrayed God, and so God allowed their enemies to come in and, and to overtake them. And so now they were at the very low end of the totem pole. I mean, they were the lowest of the low. It was almost like they were back in slavery again. But there had been prophets that had come along and said, Don't worry, don't freak out. God has plans for you, plans to help you prosper and to give you a future. It's just, it's going to take a while. And so someone's going to come and he's going to be a savior to all of you and it's going to change things. And so they waited for that savior. Well, when they waited for that savior, they had a lot of ideas about what they were going to get. They thought they were going to get a warrior. They thought they were going to get a king. They thought they were going to have somebody come down uh, from, from the sky just on fire with a sword and shield in their hand and just annihilate their enemies and build their kingdom up once again to build, build up you know, the, 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 the rule that they had over everybody else and make them top dogs again. And then Jesus showed up. And everybody knew Jesus. He was a local boy from Nazareth. His dad, who had passed away, was a carpenter. His mom was Mary, a, a, a lovely wedding planner. And so everybody was like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's Jesus? And they didn't get a warrior. Oh, no, no, no. They got the exact opposite of a warrior. They got a hippie is what they got. Because you came Jesus, and he talked about you know, including everybody. And he talked about peace and hope and love and forgiveness and mercy and Jesus didn't go with the Jewish traditions that had been set in place for so long, the, the Jewish laws that had been given to Moses. Instead, he was kind of in competition with them. He, he totally came up against the temple system and the temple model of a sacred place with sacred people in place with a sacred text. 
he, he went against all of that and claimed that he was there to replace it and give something new. And the worst thing of all, the worst thing that he did that, that ticked everybody off is he claimed to be the son of God. And everybody knew where he came from. Everybody knew where he grew up. Everybody had stories about him. And yet he's claiming to be the son of God. He's, play, he's claiming to be the savior of humanity. He claims to be the way and the truth and the light. And that everybody who wants to go to, through God has to suddenly go through him. Well, to say the least, it ticked a couple people off. And he began to have a cult following. I mean, these poor smelly fishermen followed him everywhere. But on top of that... Some other people also followed him as well, and sure enough, he started to make some enemies. Actually, enemies of enemies became friends and wanted to go after Jesus because he needed to be taken care of. Because this cult following that he had, it was going to ruin everything. It was going to ruin the whole temple system. I mean, and they needed that. They, they used that to control people, to, to manipulate people, to use people. And so we get to this point in time where, where everything's pretty hot. And Jesus has this cult following, and people are after him, and, and Jesus sees this coming. And so Jesus tells his disciples, he, he knew exactly what was going on and how it was going to take place, and so he tells his disciples, I'm going to die. This is what he tells them. And, and he says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. He said, guys, I'm going to die. Now, that's not that impressive. I mean, at this point, everybody kind of knew that. You know, everybody knew they wanted Jesus dead. So that, that really wasn't the most incredible part of what Jesus said. What was the most incredible is not only did Jesus predict his death, but the incredible thing is that Jesus also predicted that he would be resurrected and raised back to life in exactly three days. He said this, but on the third day, I will be raised back to life. Now that is impressive. That is pretty incredible. And how even more incredible is it that Jesus basically gave them a spoiler alert and told them the end of the story. He said, hey, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be really dark. It's going to be really scary. But don't you worry. Spoiler alert. I'm actually going to be alive. Just three days later. Three days later, I'm going to be raised back to life. You know how incredible it is? I hear this a lot, right? I hear a lot of people talk about how if I just knew it was going to be okay, I would be okay. Really? I don't really think that's true. I know you think you think that's true, but it's not really true because you know what? The disciples knew that things were going to be okay, and they really should have been okay, but they weren't okay. Actually, they were in denial. They even denied that Jesus was going to be taken. They denied that Jesus was even going to die. They said there's no way that can happen. And Peter, he spoke up, as he always did, because he was a bit of a brown noser. He really wanted to be Jesus' favorite, but he was the big idiot of the group. And so Peter, he said this, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, Peter just really spoke up and he says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. No, there's no way that's going to happen. Were any of you in denial this past year? Anybody else go, nah, that's not going to happen. There's no way. No way it could go on for that long. There's no way we could be out of school for that long. There's no way I won't go to work for that long. No, 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 that's, that's not going to happen. 
And even in the midst of this, right, they just received some scary news, some bad news. And in the midst of this, they're like, no, 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 it's going to be okay. We're, we're going to be strong, and we don't even think that it's, we're going to even have to go down this valley. We're not even going to go down this bad path. It is going to be okay. And, you know, here's the thing. Anytime we get forecasted adversity, anytime we get told, hey, just so you know, things are going to be rough, things are going to be bad, but it's going to be okay. In that moment, everyone, everyone plans to be strong, right? You plan to be strong this year. I plan to be strong this year. Everyone plans to be strong. But the truth is, is that many times we're not. The truth is, is that many times we don't meet those expectations. And Peter, man, he, he really shot himself in the foot. He, he not only claimed things were going to be okay, he took it a step further. This is what Peter says. He pulls Jesus aside later. And John, he records this for us. He says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I will lay down my life for you. Peter, geez, man, he doesn't even say like, oh, well, thank you, Jesus. Well, I, 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 know, I know this is going to be hard, but we're going to get through this, and I just, I just pray that I can hold on until you're raised back to life. No, he goes above and beyond. He goes, Jesus, I tell you what, not only do I believe this isn't going to happen, but I tell you what, if it does you will not die before me. I will die before you because I love you so much. I would lay down my life for you before you would have to lay down your life. Oh, man, what a bad decision that was, right? And again, many of us did this, right? Many of us said something like this. We said, man, I'm going to handle this so much better than everyone else, <laughs> I mean, I know there's going to be some people that lose their mind. There's going to be some people that are terrible at this homeschooling thing. There's going to be some people who just, this just destroys them, but not me. Nope, 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 nope. I'm going to handle this better than anybody. And that's exactly what Peter said. Don't worry about me, Jesus. I, I'm going to be okay. You don't need to worry about me or pray for me. I'm going to be okay. And you know, in that moment, Jesus, he could have just looked at Peter and said, ah, buddy, I, I really hope so. But he didn't do that, did he? He wanted to be honest with Peter because he loved Peter. And Jesus was always straight with everybody he dealt with. And so he looks at Peter and he goes, nah, that's, that's not what's going to happen. It, Jesus, he says this, he says, will you really lay down your life for me? Really? You really think that's going to happen? You know, Peter, here's the thing. Very truly, I tell you, What's actually going to happen is before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Wow. Think about how small you would feel in that feeling. I mean, that moment when, you know, you look at Jesus and Jesus goes, hey, you're about to go through something really tough. And you're like, well, I am going to rock it. I'm telling you what, I'm going to handle this so well. You don't even need to worry about me. I'm going to handle this better than anybody else. And then Jesus looks you in the face and goes, actually, you're not. Actually, I know what's going to happen, and I'm telling you what, you're, you're actually going to fail me. Now, you're not going to fail me once. You're not going to fail me twice. You're, you're actually going to fail me three times. Whew. Wow. I mean, think about how small he felt in that moment, how defeated. And, and he was still in denial. He still said, no, 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 it's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But then, days later, when Jesus is taken... When Jesus is taken and everything begins to take shape, somebody says, hey, aren't you that one who follows Jesus? Aren't you Jesus' right-hand man? Aren't you one of Jesus' best 
friends. And what does Peter do? He denies Jesus one time. And somebody else comes along. Hey, guys, isn't that the guy? And Peter goes, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not associated with him at all. And he failed him twice. And then somebody else came along and says, no, 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 I seriously think you're that guy. I think you're the Peter. And Peter goes, no, you're out of your mind. I, I have nothing to do with him. And he failed him three times. Man, how small Peter must have felt. How defeated how much of a failure he must have felt. But here's the incredible thing. Recognize this, because this is, this is incredible. This is amazing to have these details, to have this story in front of us. Jesus knew full well that Peter would fail him. And, and, and we're not talking about just failing him. We're talking about after three years of investment in Peter's life, after discussion, after discussion, lesson after lesson, after even telling him that it was going to be okay and spoiling the end of the story, still Peter failed Jesus. And Jesus knew it would happen. Jesus actually knew that all of his disciples and all of his apostles would fail him. That when he was taken and when he went to court, nobody showed up. And when he went to the cross, nobody was there. And when he died, none of them were there to take care of his body and lay him to rest. And that after that, they would all go home and leave Christianity and leave following Jesus behind. In spite of that, in spite of that knowledge... Jesus died for him still. In spite of his failure, Jesus died for him still. How much must Jesus have loved Peter to die for him knowing he would fail him? Not once, not twice, but three times. And even on the cross, even as he's there, and he's completely alone, watching, watching his mother cry in front of him as he slowly dies. As everybody has left him, as everybody has abandoned him and betrayed him, and is not even there to watch him, Jesus looks up and he prays one last prayer. And he prays and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Wow. Father, forgive them. Because I've forgiven them. I forgive them for not being here. I, I forgive them for abandoning, abandoning me. I, I forgive them for not being brave. I, I forgive them. And God, I, I want you to forgive them too. You know what's amazing about that? Is that I, I don't know what brought you here, whether it's just Easter or whether you know, you've, you're a part of Anchored Hope Church, or, or why you might be here, or why you might be watching, watching or listening, or anything like that. But you know, every single one of us, if we look back on this year, we, we could admit that we have not lived up to the expectations. That we have failed. Not once, not twice. And many of us, we've all, we've all said it, I've heard it so many times, I, just, I wish 2020 was over. Because we just knew how much we failed this year, and we just wanted it to be over. We wanted it to be done. We wanted to move on. We wanted to open another chapter. We wanted to just get through this so we could get back to our old normal. And inside of you, you may have shame for something that's happened over this last year. Inside of you, you may have regrets. 
inside of you, you may even think that God is disappointed in you or angry or upset. But you know what the amazing thing is about this story? Is that in spite of our failure, Jesus died for you still too. Because guess what? When he died on the cross, not only did he know that Peter was going to fail, but he knew you were going to fail. He looked at you in March of 2020 when you said, oh man, I'm going to handle this better than anybody else. I'm gonna, it's going to be great and it's going to be awesome and it's going to go so well. And God looked at you and said, no, you're not. You're going to struggle through this. And it's going to be painful and it's going to hurt and, it, and it's going to be upsetting and you're going you're gonna to worry. You're going to be angry. You're going to be sad. But you know what? Jesus died for you still. Here's a statement that I love, and I shared this at Easter last year when we went live. How incredible is it that God can fully expect you won't be perfect, but yet still love you perfectly? That is the good news. That is the gospel. That Jesus can know that you are not going to be perfect, but yet still love you perfectly. In spite of your failures, in spite of your shortcomings, he can still love you perfectly. And he lo Jesus looks up at his Father in heaven and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, many times at Easter we focus so much, you know, on the cross. Even in our churches, right, we hang up crosses, we love to wear crosses, you know, they're decorative things. We, we get so you know, zoomed in and focused and targeted on the cross. But, but here's a true statement, and this might rock your boat just a little bit. No one followed Jesus because of what happened on the cross. That's the truth. No one followed Jesus because of what happened on the cross. Actually, after the cross, everybody else went home. Everybody, everybody went home. Everybody, Christianity was done. Christianity was over because Jesus was dead. Jesus was done and Jesus was dead, so Christianity ended right then and there. And if it had ended there and if it was just the cross, nothing else would have happened. You and I, we probably wouldn't even be here. We definitely wouldn't be following Jesus because we're Gentiles, right? We're not even Jews. No one followed Jesus because of what happened on the cross. And I mean, it was a great sacrifice, but let's be honest, there's a lot of people in history who have died for a good cause or died for somebody else who have sacrificed themselves. That is not what is impressive about the Easter story. What's impressive and what's incredible is that what he said would happen, happened. That three days later, just as he said, Jesus rose again. That Jesus was resurrected. And the truth is, is that the story of Jesus wasn't worth telling apart from the resurrection. People didn't become Christian because of what happened on the cross. People became Christian. People followed Jesus. People sacrificed things and put their faith in Jesus because of what happened at the grave. Churches shouldn't be full of crosses. They should be full of empty tombs. I don't know if any of you can make that into a necklace or a tattoo. It looked pretty weird. But that's what you should actually have. Because, yes, Jesus died for our sins. But the reason we know he was able to have that power to forgive us of our sins is because what happened at 
the grave. And the fact that there is no grave for us to sit in, there is no grave for us to lie in, is proof that he was truly the Son of God. Now, imagine for a minute, as I've told you Peter's backstory, Jesus is resurrected, and he goes and he sees his friends, his friends that were not there when he died. And there's Peter. He walks in the room. They're having coffee and eggs. And Peter's starting to take a sip of his coffee, and Jesus walks in, and he spits it out. <laughs> oh, shoot. Because if it were you or if it were me, we'd think, oh, we're getting a talking to, right? That Jesus is probably going to come and pull out a chair and sit down and say, so, I told you so. That's what you expect will happen on your judgment day, don't you? Isn't that what you think heaven's going to be like? That when you die, you'll come face to face with God, and God will pull out a chair and sit down and go, so let's talk about that one time. Let's talk about that one day. Let's talk about that one fight. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about screw up number one. We'll start there. But you know how I know that's not going to happen? You know how I know that's not true? It's because that's not what happened with Peter. It's because Jesus walked in and he told them, I'm alive. And he showed them the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. And then Jesus didn't say anything. He didn't do anything but welcome them and love them. And they fell on their feet and they worshiped Jesus and they cried over him. And they were excited to have their friend back. They were excited to see their Savior. And that's what happened. Jesus didn't bring up Peter's shortcomings. Jesus didn't bring up Peter's failures. He didn't sit him down and give him a talking to. He didn't sit him down and, and give him a lesson. And for somebody who's watching or here today, that's exactly what you need to hear. Because you've lived your life growing up in church or knowing somebody churchy, and that's what they've told you. You know, God would really be disappointed in your lifestyle. You know, God would really be disappointed in your decisions. You know, God, if he were here, he would tell you how bad of a person you are. But I want you to hear me say it from my mouth, is if God were here today, that's not what he would do at all. God would embrace you. And God would hug you. And God would love you. And he would welcome you with open arms. And he wouldn't bring up your failures, and he wouldn't bring up your shortcomings, and he wouldn't go mistake by mistake with you, he would just be glad you were home. And you know, they did have another interaction. Jesus ascended into heaven, but he came back a few times and interacted with the disciples. And when he did come back, he did have a conversation with Peter, and this is what happened. We're going to read it here together. When they had finished eating, so Jesus and Peter, they had just gone fishing and they're hanging out together. Simon, he, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, son of John, uses first and last name, so it's serious. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And then again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, well, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter, he responded. He's hurt. He was hurt. Jesus keeps asking him this question. He said, 
Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, if you've read the story, this is exactly the conversation they had before Jesus died, where Peter said that he would lay down his life for Jesus' life. So Jesus comes back to him, and they have the identical conversation. Do you love me? Yes. Do you really love me? You know that I do. Do you love me? Would you stop asking? I'm telling you, I do. And you know, for every single one of us, if we were asked that question, do you love Jesus? I think most of you, because of where you are and you're here, I mean, I think most of you would go, well, yeah, I love Jesus. Of course I do. If we went back in time and asked you that question in March of 2020, said, hey, do you, uh, do you love Jesus? Most of us would go, well, yeah, of course I do. Why would you ask me that? But the truth is, is that many of us have shown in our actions, that we don't really love Jesus as much as we think we love Jesus. But Jesus isn't here to rub that in your face or to bring up your mistakes or to make you feel bad about yourself. But what's so incredible about this story is Jesus returned to Peter and just asked the same question again. Hey, just checking in, just coming back. Let me, let me ask you a question because this is what I care about. This is what's most important to me. Do you love me? And Peter answered as earnestly and as honestly as, as he did the first time. But Jesus says, well, if you do, I, I have something I want you to do. And this is probably the last words that Jesus ever said to Peter. He said, then follow me, Peter. Then follow me. And if you know the story of Peter at all, you know who Peter became. We just finished a whole series over the letter that Peter wrote. 30 years later after this, as the Christians were being persecuted by Nero, Peter became the godfather of the Christian church. He spoke at Pentecost, and thousands were saved. When they had the Jerusalem council and had to decide what they would do with these Gentiles, it was Peter who led the charge and spoke up for the Gentiles and made a decision about what needed to be done and accepted them into the way in the Christian faith. It was Peter who people turned to, to, to direction. Peter, next to Paul, was one of the biggest leaders of the first generation of the Christian church. And what's so incredible about that fact is not only in spite of his failure did Jesus die for Peter, but in spite of his failure, Jesus wanted to use Peter. In spite of his failures, in spite of his mistakes, Jesus continually came back and gave him a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and did not give up on Peter. He still had a plan and he still had a purpose for Peter. And you know what? He does that for you too. And for you, you, you may be sitting here today and you may be saying something like this to yourself. You know, I planned to be so much better. But things didn't go as planned. And I feel like a failure. I feel like I screwed up. I felt like I let people down. But the gospel news, the good news that Jesus would want you to hear today is this. is In spite of your failure, Jesus died for you. And in spite of your failure, he wants to use you. He hasn't given up on you. And he never will. And no matter how many failures you have, no matter what version of Peter you are tomorrow, no matter what you do, 
Jesus will continually come back and ask you a simple question. Do you love me? Do you love me? And of course, all of us will probably answer earnestly and honestly and with the best intentions, yes, of course I love you. But then Jesus will ask you a follow-up question, and he will say, well then, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Because I have a plan, and I have purposes for your life. And I could do them without you, but I want you to be a part of them. And I want to make you into the best version of yourself, the version that I created you to be, the version that I had in mind when I created you. And I have so many things I want to do in you and through you to bring my kingdom to light. And so will you follow me? And that's what Jesus is asking you today. As you're here for whatever reason it may be, because it's Easter, because somebody drug you, because it's part of the family plan, because you're a member of Anchored Hope Church, whatever it may be, Jesus is in front of you today after the year that we've had, and he is still not given up on you. And he is asking you, do you love me? And if you do, then will you follow me? And when we follow Jesus, something incredible takes place. When we follow Jesus, he pulls us up out of our grave. There is no grave that could keep his body down. And there is no grave that could keep your body down either. There is no mistake you've made. There is no year you've had. There is nothing in the past that you've experienced or that was done to you or that you did that could ever keep your body down. And in that invitation to follow Jesus, what Jesus is actually inviting you to do is to walk out of your grave. The grave you dug for yourself. The grave you used to torture yourself. And to tell yourself lies that you are unlovable, that you are not good, that there is nothing you could ever achieve, that this is just who you are. Jesus is looking at you today and going, look, you do not have to lay in this grave. The same way that these lies, that this sin, that this hate, it couldn't keep my body down, I am offering you an opportunity to follow me. Walk out of that grave. But you have to make the decision. The same decision that Peter had to make. Will you follow Jesus and walk out of that grave? Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, as we come to you today and and recognize the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, not only are we forgiven of our sins, but God, the important thing, the the thing that people latched onto, the thing that people grabbed, the people that people gravitated to was the resurrection story. God, in the same way that your Son, Jesus Christ, was raised to life three days later, you are offering us that same opportunity to walk out of that grave. You're in front of us asking us a question. Do you love me? Because God, that's what you require. That's what it is you want, is for us to love you. Not to follow a list of rules or commands or anything like that, but 
to simply love you in the way that you have loved us and to love others the same way that you have loved us. So God, we hear your invitation today. The opportunity to walk out of our grave. The grave that you didn't create, the grave you're not throwing us in, but the grave we've created in our minds and our hearts. God, would you give us the confidence, would you give us the faith to walk out of that grave? In your name we pray, amen. If you'd like to support Anchored Hope, you can make a donation at anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you'd like to connect with someone from Anchored Hope, go to anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.